Well, uh, we are we're jumping into a, back into our sermon series in the book of John here. Uh, for a little while, for those of you who are newer to Grace or checking it out, we've been walking through the Gospel of John and seeing how Jesus is light in our darkness. Not only does he provide hope and hopelessness and uncertainty, not only does he provide for us the power to change when we are powerless, but he's also truth. Truth. In the midst of of increasing relativism and changing times, he anchors us with absolute truth that gives us hope, that changes us. The truth is what sets us free. He is light in our darkness. Oftentimes, I might start off our sermons kind of with an illustration and setting the stage here, but today we're just going to jump right into God's word here and we're going to read through it and then unpack it. We're in John chapter 7, verses 32 through, if you want to follow along. Bible app, we also have Bibles underneath the chairs in front of you, if you want to follow along. If you don't have a Bible, that Bible underneath that chair in front of you is yours. Take it. John 7, verses 32 through 52. Here we go. The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering, muttering these things about him. And the chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. Jesus then said, I will be with you a little longer, and then I'm going to him who sent me. You will seek me, and you will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, Where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks to teach the Greeks? What does he mean by saying, you will seek me and you will not find me? And where I am, you cannot come. On the last day of the feast, this is the feast of booze. On thirst, let him come to me. Day, Jesus stood up and cried out. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, he said this about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. When they heard these words, some of the people said, This really is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the Scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David? And comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was. So there was division among the people over him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers answered them, Have you also ever spoken like this man? The Pharisees, Pharisees answered them, Have you also been deceived? Have any of you, the authorities or the Pharisees, believed in him? But this crowd does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus before, and who was one of them, the Pharisees, said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. Join with me, friends, as we pray 
in order to receive God's word. Holy Spirit, we come to you reminded, Lord, that uh, our hearts are stubborn and broken and hard and we're just distracted and there's so many other things, Lord Jesus, that we would naturally attend to, but, but Lord Jesus, sweet and spirit, we need you to hear your word, to respond to your word, to respond to you, Jesus. So we ask for that work now. Fill us, move among us. Lord, let us see you today. Let us surrender, Jesus. May, may we be made alive, God, because of our hearing and responding and obeying today, Jesus. Spirit, come on me, your servant, Lord. Your servant to do your work. In your name, amen. As we jump in here, we're jumping in the middle of context, all right? John 7. Some of you haven't been with us. Uh, it's been a little, uh, several weeks since we've been in the book of John. We may not remember where we're at and uh, so it's kind of like, you know, starting off a, a new TV show right in the middle, right? Uh, let me just bring us up to speed just a little bit. As we've mentioned before, John sets out to show us Jesus is not just a good man. He's God. He doesn't just have good things to say. He's not just, he has the power. He's God. He deserves our surrender. He has the power to change us and transform us. He deserves that we worship him as king. He's worthy. John has has showed all along up to these chapters through miracles that Jesus has done, through his teaching, through his wisdom and insight, through his origins. Again, he is God. He's not just another man. As we come to John 7, Jesus is now in Jerusalem. He'd been spending most of his time up in northern Israel. teaching and doing these miracles, but now he's down in Jerusalem for what's called the Feast of Booths. The Feast of Booths is one of the major, three major feasts uh, uh, in Israel. And, and, and this is a feast that people would be coming from all over, not just Israel, but all over the Roman Empire, the world, to Jerusalem, to come back, to celebrate. It's the biggest celebration. It's food, there's people, right? Just Of course, there's going to be lots of food and feasting. And where there's food, there's people, right? Just like last night with the the fall party. And so Jesus is in Jerusalem at this time. And there's a stir going on as he's been interacting with the people and sharing about who he is, where he's from. He's from God. He is the greater than Moses. And the people are, 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 are trying to figure out who he is. And so we come to verse 32. And in verses 32 through 36, he's interacting with the spiritual leaders called the Pharisees. Then the later verses, verses 40 through 52, he, 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 people are responding to Jesus in his teaching. And there's conflict and division. Who is he? Is he the Christ? No, he's from Galilee. It's like saying he's from Minnesota. What good can come from Minnesota? Oh, I mean, it's north, right? He's from, never mind. In terms of people, what, what, the, what this, this context is showing is rising tension. In terms of people's reaction and responses to Jesus, they're increasingly hostile. We're anticipating significant, severe reactions to Jesus that are, that are coming down the road. 
But it's in the midst of this context, we have Jesus interacting with the leadership. And he says, I will be with you only a little bit longer, but I'm going to go to him who sent me. You're going to seek for me and you're going to find me. Anybody play hide and seek? You guys like hide and seek? Like a little hide and seek action. I know when, when our, my boys class and discipleship, we do a little, we, you guys remember we play sardines, right? No. Come on now. You're throwing me under the bus. We play a little sardines. We play a little hide and seek with our Nerf Wars. And, and there's a bit of this like, uh, you know, some of us growing up, I don't know if kids are still doing this today, but you know when you're playing hide and seek or whatever, your tag, right? Nanny, nanny, boo, boo, you can't catch me. Okay. All right. Has any, any of you done that? Some of you still do that? Okay, all right. It's okay, we'll just, you know, it's your secret. All right. Well, Jesus isn't exactly playing hide-and-seek. He's, he's explaining that they're, they're out to pursue him and arrest him and contain him, kill him, and stop what's going on. And his statements here are, you, I'm sovereign over my future, friends. I, I'm, I'm God, and you have plans? You have plans for me, but, but you have to understand... That, that when I die, it's not because you took care of me. It's because I'm going back to the Father. I'm sovereign over my future. And so Jesus makes this brief declaration explaining his power and his authority. Where I go, you cannot come. The focus here, though, is in the midst of this feast. So verse 37 through 30. Nine is where we're going to focus here. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stands up and cries. The Feast of Booths, Passover. Maybe that's one that maybe grown up here in the church probably don't know about the Feast of Booths. We've talked about Passover. Maybe that's one that you're aware of because of the blood of the Lamb, right? The Feast of Booths is a celebration that the Jewish people were given by God to remind themselves uh, going all the way back of the people of Israel. The Jewish people were also called Israel. And in the Old Testament, they were slaves to a nation called Egypt. And God set them free and brought them out of this nation of Egypt, brought them out of slavery, miraculously did this. But in the process of setting them free, he, he, he brought them into a desert wasteland in, or, in order to get to Israel. Because of choices of Israel, they disobeyed God, and so they had to wander in the desert for 40 years. God wants his people, remember that time. Remember that time so you will obey me and trust me. I'm good. I have good plans for you. And so we said here they would sell practices in their, in their ritual and routine. Every year they would celebrate this thing called Feast of Booths. Because when they were wandering in the desert, you had to set up tents. You had to be nomads. You had to travel. So your, your dwelling place had to be movable. All right, you had to be able to take it down quick and be able to put it up quick and be able to take it with you. And so the people of Israel, as they celebrate the Feast of Booths, they would set up these little shacks or little things with twigs and, and branches to, to remind themselves of the, of the booths, the tents that they lived in at one time, wandering in the desert. In this celebration, there were several things that they would do in Israel. So in Jerusalem, as part of the celebration, there was this, this, this ritual that they would go through. You see, the Feast of Booths was seven days long, and on the eighth day, 
It would be this day of, of culminating rest and celebration. Priests would grab every morning. They would get up. And the priests would grab a golden, a golden pitcher. Now, unfortunately, we don't got no golden pitchers around here. So I found a blue pitcher. All right. So they would grab, the priests would grab the golden pitcher. And they would go down to this place called the Pool of Siloam. Think of it, it's about a half mile from the temple. While they're all walking down, and the people of Jerusalem are together with the priests, and they're going down, and they're worshiping. They've got these palm branches. They're waving, and they got people with trumpets, and they're, they're shouting out, and they're making a big noise, and, and they're worshiping God, and they're going down to this pool of Siloam just outside of Israel, and, and, and the, the priest dips this golden pitcher into the water and, and picks it up. And, and while they're, while they're, they're going down, what, one of the things that they're celebrating and singing, they're reciting is Isaiah chapter, oh, slide. Oh, I, uh, go to that. There we go. The next one. I skipped ahead there. <clears throat> Isaiah 12 verse three says, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. So they would be reciting this as they're walking down and walking back. At the same time, they're also singing from the book of Psalms. Did you know the book of Psalms is a worship, worship book? Did you know that? It's just songs that they would sing to God. And specifically, they would sing a section of songs called the Hallel, which is short for Hallelujah. So if you go to Psalms 113 to 118, these were Hallel songs, Hallelujah, hallelujah songs, where they start with praise the Lord. Okay? So they're singing these songs. They're reciting Isaiah because they're celebrating God providing water. Because when in the desert, when they were wandering, there was a time when, when they were, were, were crying out to God. They were, they were, they were angry and frustrated because they didn't have enough water. And rock people together and I'll show them, I'll provide for them. And, and through a rock... He broke open a rock in the desert, and out of this rock were flowing streams of water for the people to, 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 to provide their thirst, to meet their needs. So this is on the forefront of their mind as they're celebrating. God's the one who provides water. This is also harvest time, just as it is right now. And they're celebrating and, and, and praising God and praying to God to be the provider of water. How about our harvest right now? Because God has provided the rains just at the right time. Amen. And our harvest is not what it would have been because he provided these rains. So, so this big procession, they're dancing, they're singing, trumpets are playing, and they're going back up to the temple. And the priest comes up to the altar in the temple, this massive, massive altar up high, and he pours the, the, the water celebrating God's salvation, God's provision for his people, and he pours it in a basin. And they're all watching this. They're celebrating and they're worshiping God's provision, God pouring himself out, God providing water for his people, sustenance. And they pour it into the basin. And then, not only that, but the priests take the basin, and then he pours the water onto the altar. You guys thought I was going to pour it on there, didn't you? Pour it out. Pour it out. 
They pour the water out and it cascades down before the people. And they're worshiping and they're celebrating. This is a big deal. Every day in the morning, this would happen. They start off this day with this massive worship celebration and they continue with feasting. Verse 37. On the last day of the feast, this is the eighth day. On the eighth day, they don't do this massive procession with the gathering of the water and the pouring of the water. They've done that for seven straight days. On this eighth day, Jesus stands up and he cries out. Now, he doesn't just, he doesn't just like calmly say, hey guys, if you're thirsty, come and get some water. No, he, he stands up in the middle of, of, of the worship center with everybody there and does what my sons would find very embarrassing. And they would shrink away and be like, that's not my dad. I don't know who this man is. He's yelling at a group, uh, at everybody. And they're like embarrassed and they're walking away from me, all right? Jesus stands up in the middle of everyone and shouts, drawing attention to himself intentionally with incredible timing because all week long they've been celebrating the waters and provision of God, the streams of water, that life that God can give, the salvation that God can give. And then all of a sudden on that Sabbath day, he stands up and yells out loud, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart flows streams, rivers of living water. You can imagine the hush, the profound silence as people realize and recognize The timing, he's saying, Jesus is the fulfillment of the Feast of Booths. He's saying he is the streams of water that God provided in the desert wandering for Moses and the people. He is that water poured out on the altar for us. He is that. He's saying that. And they're processing. They're taking this in. This man, Jesus, is declaring this truth. We, of course, as his readers, are given so much more insight into this. John says, now he said this about the Spirit of God, whom those who believed in him would receive. Let's break down what Jesus says. Let's, let's take a moment to ponder and receive what Jesus is saying as he declares it to us even today. If anyone thirsts, let him come and drink. If anyone thirsts, here's the deal. It's not that Jesus is talking to a special group of people who are thirsty, who have a need to wet their throat and their tongue because they're parched. He's talking about those who recognize the need that all of us have. We're all thirsty, but not every one of us recognizes it. Or receives it. This, this past week, I had a, uh, sat down with a friend 
and heard from them that they had learned that their cancer came back. And it's not good. But they wouldn't have known because they feel so good. In the past, when their cancer was showed up initially, they could tell their body was was fatigued and parts certain parts like their knee specifically wasn't wasn't working right. It was hurting. There were signs something's wrong. But right now he feels really good. He feels in top shape. He would never know that he's got cancer that's going to kill him. We're all thirsty, friends. We're all in need. The only source to provide, but, but only those who humbly recognize I have a need and a, the only source to satisfy me is Jesus Christ. Those who are thirsty, come to me. Jesus says exclusively, come to me and drink. He explains, whoever believes in me, whoever believes in me, this means those who recognize their thirst. Those who recognize, I need, I'm broken. Broken not just in an emotional way, like that, 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 that I, I, I'm struggling to make it through, I just don't have hope, I'm in a dark time. No, I'm broken as in I, I'm a sinful person. I'm not right before God. Left to myself, I choose me. I will always choose me. And that's brokenness. And I need you, God. I need you to reset in me. I need you to change me. I recognize I'm going to go find satisfaction in a bunch of water fountains that are temporary, that won't ultimately satisfy. I need streams of living water Rivers that that don't stop flowing. I I need the one himself, the true spring. I need Jesus. I need to be saved. I need to be changed. Those who believe come and recognize I have a need. And they surrender. They recognize Jesus is the God and King. Satisfaction. He is God and King. You see, what happens is people's reaction to Jesus, oftentimes when they hear him, is, is give me what you can give. Give me the results. Give me that contentment. Give me that abundant life. Give me that ability to change and be that good person. They want results from Jesus, but they don't want Jesus. Do you know what I'm saying? There's a difference and what Jesus is saying, he is the river of life. We all get caught up and get derailed and misdirected because we want from Jesus, but we don't want Jesus. Whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus, there will be satisfaction spiritually. Jesus, Jesus will give you a sense of contentment and joy and life because, because your joy and your joy and your satisfaction is in is in Him. 
in a very superficial way. Anybody like donuts? Anybody like donuts? There's this camp song we used to sing. Life without Jesus is like a donut. There's a hole in the middle of your heart. Like we're not fully satisfied without Jesus. You know? He's that donut hole. Okay, that's a real oversimplification, you know. There's a lot of bad analogies, but I saw a lot of kids in the house. I thought they would like some donuts, you know. We're not fully satisfied. We're not fully who we are. We will never be fully human until we recognize that Jesus is the center. I need him to lead me. I need... And then I need him. I depend on him. I need him to lead me. I need, I need to surrender to him. Out of their heart will flow rivers of living water. Did you, did you guess that word? Rivers. He's, he's, not talking about, he's not talking about a pitcher that you pour out that has an end. Rivers that never stop flowing. It's this perpetual satisfaction, perpetual joy. Paul later talks about righteousness, peace, joy that comes from the Holy Spirit alone. The Holy Spirit living in us. He's talking about something that happens inside us that produces something that that, that will never end that satisfies us. He explains, John goes on and says, he's speaking about the Holy Spirit. Later, Jesus explains these things about the Holy Spirit. John 14, check this out. Go to the next slide there. Spirit of truth, whom the world will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. This spirit is Jesus in us. You see, Jesus wants to live himself out through you. In you. Will you, will you let Jesus be king in you? We need to be filled with the Spirit. The Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus living in us, leading us, liberating us. We cannot have and experience the life God desires without having a new operating system. Because you know what? The the way we are wired is to live for me. That's not going to change by us changing our behavior. We have to... Have you invited God to come? God has to come within us. Have you invited God to come and live in you? Have you surrendered and say, Jesus, live in me. Live through me. I need you. He goes on later in Acts 1.8 to say this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. When the Holy Spirit comes, he gives us power. You see, we recognize left to ourselves, we don't have power. It's not that we're, we're like, I can't get it through the day. That's not the power necessarily Jesus is talking about. He's talking about we don't have power to not live for us. We don't have power to live and honor him. We don't have power to make Jesus the center of our lives. Left to ourselves, We will continue to live for us. The Spirit comes in us and gives us power to live for God, to to have that joy and peace and satisfaction. 
We need that spirit to come upon us. And it changes us. Now that spirit explains here, John says in 39, it hadn't come yet because Jesus hadn't been glorified. What had had to happen to Jesus? What did he have to do? What did he have to go through before he was glorified? Before he was raised from the dead? He had to do what? He had to die. He had to be crucified. You see, in Pentecost was when the spirit came upon God's people. The new work began to happen. The Spirit of God came upon and came into His people, came into us people. But before we get the power of God, we got to go through the crucifixion of God. Crucifixion precedes resurrection power. We got to die to ourselves, friend. We can't continue to expect that we can have the life of Jesus. We're just going to go through behavior modification. Unless we die with Jesus on the cross. And have the Spirit come in us. Earlier, Jesus give us new life. we got to become new people. Earlier, Jesus talked about being born again by the Spirit. This, this work of the spring of the Spirit within us. When we surrender and we ask, God, lead me. Live in me. So I don't live for myself. Change me. When we do this, the satisfaction he brings will overflow. These streams will go out from us and flow out in the form of the fruit of the Spirit. You see, if if we've got the streams of living water in us, they will go out from us. It's out of this heart into a changed life. You see... If the Spirit of God is is flowing through us, when we're squeezed in life, the Spirit of God will flow out from us as we have soaked up the Spirit, if you will, like this sponge. You see, when we're squeezed in life, a squeeze can come from success inside us, right? And that squeeze can come from success. How are you dealing with prosperity and success? That squeezes you. It finds out what's really in you. And from stress. These things squeeze us, and, 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 and what's coming out? Is it streams of living water? Galatians captures the work of the Spirit, how it changes our lives. Several things here. Take note of this. Galatians 5, 5. Through, through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly await for the hope of righteousness. Through the Spirit of God, when we're squeezed, we have patient hope. God is coming. We are not made for this world. This is not our home. We're not setting up shop, growing roots here, trying to find our satisfaction here and now because our satisfaction is in Jesus and he's coming. And we have this sense of waiting. There's something more, friends, that we point to the world. What else does Galatians say here? But I say, walk by the temptations and desires, the desires of the flesh. The flesh is talking about the impulses and the temptations and desires of our broken human life. Whether that's greed, materialism, whether that's taking God's design for for sex outside of his beautiful design in in marriage, because sex is a beautiful, good thing, but we like to take it outside of his design with pornography and, and sexual relationships outside of marriage. Whether that's gossip, I'm gonna handle conflict my way. I'm gonna bring a beat stick and I'm gonna hurt people, or I'm gonna talk to other people behind their back. Instead of talking to them, 
and working things out. Whether that's pride. I need to feel good about myself by making myself better than other people. And I'll look down. Or whether that's insecurity. Which I, my only way of defining myself is in comparison to other people. And so I beat myself down. Yes, just as much sin as pride. Spirit, you know what these things? The flesh. If we walk by the Spirit, you know what these things that have plagued you? These temptations? You're like, I can't overcome this. This addiction, this compulsion inside of me. I feel powerless to this. You know what? The Spirit of God says, yes, in me, you have power. You have power, and you can say no. You are no longer a slave to anything. You are free. In me, you have power. He goes on to say this about the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against things there, there's such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Do you hear that? When the Spirit comes in us, these are not good things that we want to die, but there is life. Are these not good things that we want to see in ourselves that, that, that come out of us that we want to see love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness? These things come out of us, right? That where we see a person in need, that we, that we supply that need. We know, nothing's going to come back to us. We don't, may not even know that person, but we see a need and we respond because there's that love within us. That we see that person who's different than us. We see that person who is our enemy. Who, like Jesus, treated us his enemies and he loved us. We prayed for those who persecute us. We bless them. We overcome evil with good. We're not overcome by it. Not because we somehow pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Because the Spirit is working in us. We love radically. We forgive. We engage in the process of forgiveness of those who've hurt us or see them punished. Releasing that bitterness instead of holding on to it, wanting to punish them or see them punished. We don't react and retaliate in conflict, feeling defensive and attacked, but we have the peace of God because we know Jesus justifies us and we can respond with gentleness and patience and we can seek reconciliation rather than retaliation. There's a difference. In the people who are filled with the Spirit of God, there's a difference. In their contentment, they can have possessions in their life, but their possessions don't have them. They don't need them. They can give it away. They can share it generously. People with power and position don't abuse it, but use it to serve. Men, Men, we need the Spirit so we do not take advantage of women. So we do not abdicate our role and leave our... Because their homes are fatherless. Selves and boys to be fathers in their homes because their homes are fatherless. Men, we respect and honor ladies in such a way that their value and worth 
is found in Jesus Christ and they're elevated that they are made better and more beautiful because of our encounters with them and not made less. We have a... I'm hammering on us men because this past week has has been a hard week in the stuff that I've encountered and the damage that we've done as men. The Spirit of God changes us. And we rise up and we serve and we take leadership in a way where we sacrifice ourselves for others rather than seek to extract from others what we want and leave them less. No, through Jesus, we leave people in better shape than when we first encountered them. Amen. Our world, let us be those men. Our world, our community, this church means men filled with the Spirit. And not that you ladies don't need the Spirit as well, but we need men to rise up. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty, friends? Do you know it? Because the answer should be yes for all of us. Are you thirsty? Come and drink. For some of you, you've never fully surrendered. You've never, like there's this Jesus thing that I just, I'm trying hard to follow you, Jesus, because you're doing the work. You haven't surrendered. Say, Jesus, live in me. Bring your power in me. Live through me. I surrender. Quit trying and let him do the work. You need to surrender today. Quit trying to get from Jesus and get with Jesus. Because you're wanting that changed life. You're wanting new circumstances. Jesus, bring your peace and your joy. Jesus, bring all that good stuff. But you don't want Jesus. You've got to get right here, friends. If you don't want Jesus, you don't get that good stuff. You got to surrender. It always comes back to the same thing. It's about him. Not to us, but to you, O Lord. For those of us who've been followers of Jesus Christ, maybe you made that surrender. We sometimes lose sight that we need to continue to be filled. In Ephesians chapter 5, 18, it says we must be being filled with the Spirit. It's not because the Spirit's not sufficient. It's because we're leaky. The Spirit's a river, and He keeps flowing. He's, he keeps it coming. But you know what? We, 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 just, we just leak it out because we're broken, and we need to keep being filled. Friends, too often, we just try to go through a day, and we're just trying to pull up our, put on our bootstraps, pull ourselves up, and get going, doing it in our own effort. No, we need to start our days. Spirit, fill me, lead me. Your power. I need your power today. As we come to a close here, that power that Jesus talked about, the streams of living water, as he stood up among the people and declared, come to me, as he watched, every, as everybody watched for the previous seven days, that water being poured out, being poured out, being poured out, and thinking of God's provision, and then seeing Jesus, he is the stream, the river of life. Is he in you? We need to drink deep, friends, every day. 
And maybe today's your first day. Come. He says, come and drink. Paul mentioned this. I think it's a powerful thing for us to close with. In Galatians chapter 2. You can go to the next slide there. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. We have the worship team come over for it. And right where you're at, all of us, when you seek Jesus living in me, maybe it's, Lord, fill me again. Or maybe it's Jesus for the first time, live in me. I want to die today. Live in me, Jesus. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask for you to come and fill us. We need you. Streams, river of life. River of life. Flow in us. Flow out of us. That we be changed. Lord, that the world sees something so different because, Lord, you are in us. We're not trying to do it in our own power, in our own strength. We're not trying to do something, trying to get something from you. But, Lord God, we want you, Jesus. We want you. Live in us. Live through us. Be our life and let us die that you might live. And experience your joy, your peace. Because what we want is you and you alone, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.